It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there, but how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with the insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. Hey guys, real quick before we jump into the show, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds to get done and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again for being awesome guys. All right, let's get into the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Brian Wagers. And today we are the Two Smart Assets. For those not yet familiar with Brian, he has served as the sole sponsor on over 600 units, 14 different deals, and 12 different exits in Northwest Arkansas. And he is now partnered with Elevate Commercial Investment Group. And since partnering with Elevate, he has been involved in, in $223 million of apartment transactions and over 2,300 units in Texas, Florida, and South Carolina. Brian's primary focus is continuing to place private, institutional, and preferred capital into strong, risk-adjusted projects in the multifamily space. Brian, it is great to see you, sir. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely pumped to have you uh, here today. Uh, just excited to dive into your story and all your experience. You know you got a lot of experience going on. Before we get into that, though, tell us just more about your background, your story, and how you got into real estate, man. Yeah, for sure. So I'm born and raised in Cincinnati. I uh, went to the University of Kentucky for my economics degree, um, fresh out of college. I wanted to be personal financial advisor, but um, no one really would hire me for that. I was too young, didn't have a Rolodex of people to call. So I joined the, the sales force and, you know, uncapped commission based sales job and really enjoyed it and built up a book of business. And I got to the point where I was maxing out my my Roth uh, 401k account, and I knew I had to do something with my my equity that I or my my hard earned money. And you know, it all roads led me to either the stock market or or real estate. And I first went into the stock market, and I I bought put a bunch in pharmaceutical company uh, and, and GoPro and. GoPro went from $35 to $5. And <laughs> I, I was watching, I was watching that stock every day, like as if I had some sort of control over it. And it was taking, you know, I thought it'd be a, a quick, you know, I could just pick and choose stocks and flip them or whatever. And, you know, it, it was all out of my control, but I was monitoring it like it was in my control. And so that just really like led me to real estate and really try to dive into the world of real estate. And um I started reading everything I could on rental property investing, you know, specifically more around the single family uh, school of thought, but kind of the general real estate principles. And I, I bought a single family home. You know, I had my life savings of 25000 at the time, you know, bought a little $90,000 home and rented it out, managed it myself. I put the lease together, you know, rent was nine fifty, dollars mortgage was four fifty. dollars you know, li life was good. No problem, tenant, no, no like broken toilets or 3 a.m. calls. The guy was great, paid me on the first of the month. But I, I was in there and I just realized like, this is going to take way too long to get where I want to be at. You know, I, what am I going to do? Buy, buy one a year, get to 10 houses and, and then what? You know, so, you know, it was, it was 
pretty much like after a, a month or two of owning that, that I realized, you know, to really scale, I, I was really drawn to commercial real estate. And mm. within commercial real estate, I knew there was economies of scale. You could really partner up. Um, you could you you could do deals with just outside of yourself. You know, you're not limited to your own equity amount and not limited to managing the property yourself. You know, it had all these economies of scale in it. And within commercial real estate, I really understood the fundamentals of rental property investing. So that drew me into multifamily. So I I understood multifamily from the rental economics and, and the commercial scalability. So I, I jumped in into the same same process I did when I knew I wanted to get into real estate. I, I read every single book I could on multifamily. I listened to every single podcast. Uh, this time I started going to seminars. I actually bought some more programs to learn how to underwrite deals and how to negotiate deals and um, how to structure deals. Um, and I bought a, a 12 unit while I still owned that that single family. And from there, I, I scaled that up to about 66 doors that I owned 100% of. So I was the on, only partner. There was a couple 12 plex. It was like three 12 plexes, a 20 unit. Maybe that math doesn't add up, but there's an eight unit, 10 unit, um, something like that. This was from six years ago to about three, three, two years ago, okay. um, built up this kind of small portfolio. And I realized I was kind of maxed out at that point. So I started to get family involved. And um, with with family, I was able to take down another another 400, 450 units. Um, this time, 54 units, 82 units, 79 units, where I was the only partner. Wow. I was finding the deal um, Managing property management, managing construct. I was pretty much the GC managing construction, um, doing every aspect that you would see in a syndication as a, as a general partner, and while the family was the equity partner. And from there, I knew that I was also limited at, at that, you know, to the amount of doors that I could buy in my backyard of here in Northwest Arkansas. Um, only so much inventory and only so much capital that I could have from for my family. So about two years ago. You know, I always knew about syndication that was always in the back of my mind as far as scaling and and, and growing from there. So um, that's when, you know, I, I found Elevate and really looked at them as a leader in the space and coming with construction background, you know, their online presence, um, brand awareness and really their, their growth trajectory. And I, I started raising capital for them for a couple of deals before earlier this year, partnering up with them. And you know that I went from the sole owner on several hundred units to you know a general partner on oh, more than several thousand units. So just um, now we're we're approaching six thousand units and and getting I said on, on ten thousand units. So um, that's my uh, quick story to to catch you up to to current current dude, times right now, dude. I love it, and I got to tell you, man, that's that's quite the story, right? You you really got into it and. Uh, man dominated really that i mean that's a that's a big portfolio for you to build by yourself basically right that's that's massive you don't hear that very often uh, especially on a solo venture like that so congratulations that is that's pretty inspiring and impressive really at least to me right i think that's that's fantastic so you know during that whole experience you probably learned an absolute ton right you've honed your skills and all that stuff and then you you decided you wanted to make this pivot and go team up with uh, a firm that was doing uh, you know big multifamily deals right um but as you said, you know, when it comes to that, you're now working with a team. Everybody's got kind of the role, what they're doing. 
And uh, you said, you know, with those first couple of deals, you helped raise money. What's your role currently within within Elevate and uh, how are you helping them uh, run their business? Yeah. And for me, like like you said, I learned a lot of different aspects that, you know, property like, yes, property management is built into the apartment complexes, but you do have to oversee them. And, you know, you, you can get contractors, but you do have to oversee them. And I really like the capital placement. And as I was building up my own equity and, and had sizable amount of equity, I, I liked investing and seeing my returns earn. And I like talking to other entrepreneurs, you know, helping them get involved outside mm-hmm. I proved, after I proved this concept with myself and with my family. So, you know, my now role with Elevate is capital placement. So whether that's, you know, bringing on my previous investors or Elevate's investors, which both are now mine and Elevate's investors. And that's pretty much my role there. Managing other, sometimes we do bring on capital raisers to okay. help complete out deals. So we'll bring on equity partners um, to complete deal. So pretty much the oversight of any equity that's coming in on the deal. So sometimes we'll have institutional or preferred equity coming on. Um, and that's kind of been my focus and my value there is, is really, um, honing in on that, on the capital placement into our, our multifamily deals. And I let, I let George, Eric, Justin, and, and, uh, Joel do their thing, you know, so I'm really focused on that capital place where I don't necessarily have to be on side of the property where I've got them going to these properties, um, doing the operations, doing the construction and all that. Yeah, I think I think that's awesome, man. And there's there's a lot of value there, right? Because that absolutely has to be done in, in your type of business, right? I mean, this is a huge role, and to be siloed into that, it's gonna be it's a full time thing, right? That's that takes a lot of work. So, uh, thank you for diving into that level of detail there. So, I got to ask, man, we kind of talked a little bit about this before the show. Um, you know, you're deep in this thing and this business. You talk to a lot of investors, whether they're capital placers or just passive investors, right? Um, you know, over the last few months, as a passive investor myself, kind of like we're talking about before the show. Um, um, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty, interest rates are going up, inflation, all this crazy stuff, right? And it was clear to me that deal flow had begun to slow down a little bit. And, um, you know, but it seems recently that it seems to be starting to tick back up. What what are you seeing in the market in terms of, you know, deal flow? Are you seeing it, you know, pick back up or what are you seeing out there? Yeah, so we're recording this episode September 15th and um, about, you know, earlier March, probably March until about like, maybe even this month, we were seeing, you know, once those interest rates rose, sellers' expectations weren't any different than they were when when the debt markets changed, you know, and, and scared scared investors. And but sellers still wanted to be at the same prices that they were in January, February, and late last year. So, you know, you probably saw deal flow slow down. And same for us, you know, we're still out there making offers and underwriting deals, you know, now more than ever, you know, I think that's been since I've been doing this for six years, it seems like we're having to underwrite and make more offers every, every year and now more than ever. But like you mentioned, you know, you are starting to see some deals come in. So I think sellers expectations are um, starting to come down more to reality that they're seeing what people are having to leverage at and seeing the price of debt. So to, to where the numbers not necessarily making sense at, to where they thought they were going to be. So somewhat of a, uh, you know, not like a, a downturn or a correction, but almost like a slowdown, you know, you know, these deals that we've done the past three to five years, we've gotten exceptional returns, mm. you know, so, but it's not to say that 
real estate's not going to be a, continuing being a good investment. It's just that they, it has slowed down. So um, it's not the same. You're not getting the same 40% IRRs or 33, you know, 30 to 50% IRRs that you've got on these these deals before. Maybe you were going to be getting 15 to 20% IRRs, which were that's what for us, that's kind of our deal boxes. If it's somewhere between 15 and 20%, then we're going to pursue it, you know, sure. among some other things as far as just uh, investor level goes. But um, we are starting to see sellers' um, expectations come, come down a little bit. So I think that's definitely helped. And I think, you know, even a couple months ago when we were raising on a couple of deals, you mentioned like, you know, investors being kind of leery of the situation. And I think it's just, any kind of shake up in the market, you know, some people are going to step back and kind of see what happens if there's going to be any huge correction, small correction. So um, I think we're starting to see activity start to pick back up on, on the seller side and, and investor side, people still wanting to get involved. And, and this year, especially, you know, with, with bonus depreciation starting to be phased out by, by next year, a lot of people are wanting to still, put that equity into play this year, even though next year, I think it'll still be a great benefit at 80% of, of the of the benefit. You're still looking at a good um, cost segregation there, but I think more people are, are looking to place their equity this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up, man. There's actually two things I want to touch on uh, and you kind of touched on a little bit, but I want to dive into a little bit more. You know, I was actually having a conversation with a passive investor and they were asking me, you know, what do I feel about the market and all this stuff and kind of, tell them, you know, we're seeing deal flow pick back up and more of a stabilization, which actually I think is better, right? You know, it's one of those things like stuff isn't going crazy. Yeah, things might not be going up as much as they were, but things are stabilizing, right? And, you know, there's this balance between buyers and sellers that we're uh, potentially starting to see. And uh, I think that's probably good news for everybody, right? Uh, but, you know, you kind of mentioned that you're seeing some 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 investors, passive investors, especially still looking to place equity. Um, and I'm just curious about that, curious about that, man, because I talked to a lot of people who are looking to get into passive investing. What are you finding in your conversations? Is their sentiment? Are they, are they bullish? You still finding a lot of caution there or are you are, are they ready to put their dollars to work? I, I think there's still some caution. Uh, like when it when the debt market changed, there was a lot more caution. I think there is more caution. People are asking, you know, what, what do we see? In the future, is there going to be a recession? If, if there is a recession, are we in a recession? What's that recession going to look like? How long is that going to last? And it, it's hard to have a crystal ball, but every, everyone always points to 2008, you know, where we're in a totally different environment in 2008, where the you know predatory lending was going on and uh, caused you know a whole different market of, of dynamics. And then you go look at pandemic, and that's a whole different market where multifamily still performed in both those uh, different markets. So I think you can point to history, but also know that it's, it's not quite the same. There's still a huge need for housing, both affordable and for people looking to get in their, their first time home. So I think, you know, we could start swinging hammers today and still not feel, feel that need for another three to five years, I think is what you could look at at some projection. So um yeah, like multifamily isn't directly correlated to single family homes, but it does share some of the same um, economics. And, you know, yeah, maybe houses aren't getting 12 offers the same day. But, you know, I think if you looked at, I don't know when it was, but that the average, I think the average Zillow home on Zillow used to be like, if it would be on there for two to three months. Now, mm -hmm. if something's on there longer than a couple of weeks, people are like, what? what's wrong with a foundation or what's wrong with it, you know? So I think 
it's more of a, like you said, like this correction than it is uh, some sort of downturn. And for me, I think, you know, if there's going to be a recession or if we're in a recession, I I see more of a vanilla recession, more of a, you know, 12 months, not very long. Um, But again, I don't have a crystal ball. And, you know, this administration is definitely uh, different than other administrations, but you have that four-year term, so you're not sure wh- how things are going to change. But I, I don't see. I see. I think interest rates there there will be a, a cliff at some point where they they have to correct themselves, and whether that's six months from now or twelve months not from now, it, it's hard to predict. But when you're when you're investing in these multifamily projects, you're uh, you're in a five-year business plan, so you're not in a position to be forced to sell and. 12 months or 18 months or 16 or six months, you know, your business plan should be able to ride out any sort of market corrections or market ups and downs. So that that business model is built around the not having to necessarily flip it. You know, we're not in a super transactional space and it's a, it's a slow moving boat. It's not like, it's more of like, you know, moving a, a, a cruise ship than it is a speedboat. You know, it's, it's not going to, move on the dime and, and you can see you can kind of predict those uh those schedules and i think it's for investors it's really important to understand underwriting understand your sponsors underwriting what what they're projecting um how conservative they are with rent bumps what markets they're investing in what kind of asset classes they're investing in um and really look diving in on how the property is currently being operated and how they project to operate it once they take over yeah, man, you make a lot of great points. And one that I really like to hit home is, you know, make sure you understand the fundamentals. Like you were just to your point, you know what I'm saying? Uh, understand if you're looking to invest in multifamily, understand the fundamentals, right? And uh, just like, also, just like you said, a good, one of the best parts about investing in multifamily, especially as a passive investor, you know, these these hold terms are three to seven years somewhere in there typically, right? And I think right. that that really that really shows the stability of this type of investment, right? You're not going to be, you're not going to be like the stock market up and down, all that good stuff. You're going to be able to ride out this volatility um, in this investment and still take the benefits of cash flow, you know, appreciation, uh, all the tax benefits, all that good stuff. And speaking of tax benefits, I'm so glad that you brought this up earlier is the hundred percent bonus depreciation. We have yet to talk about that on the show. Can you talk a little bit more about why hundred percent bonus depreciation is important and, uh, and then the eventual phasing out of this as it's happening as of the end of this year? Yeah, I think most inv- like whether they're sophisticated or not understand like the depreciation schedules when you buy a home, you know, m- maybe it does appreciate, but you're depreciating it on a 27 and a half year schedule. So mm-hmm. the IRS says that your your home has a certain life period and they understand that it wears down and you know whether the market's appreciating or you're adding to it, they 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 term that as a 27 and a half years as well. In bonus depreciation, you can do what's called a cost segregation. So you hire a uh, a firm that will do an analysis on your apartment complex. They'll go in and analyze you know, the cabinets and the structure and anything on there that they can depreciate at an accelerated schedule. So in that first year, you're able to cap- capture um, uh, a lot of that depreciation. So your, your 27 and a half year depreciation schedule is shortened to a five-year schedule, five, mm. six-year schedule on that with the majority of it coming in year one. So last year, I think uh, we just made a post about this too, um, or George did, and it, we project like around all our 
all our properties, we projected around 100% bonus depreciation, but we actually ended up with like $110,000 on average. Like, um, you know, for every $100,000 you invested, you saw $110,000 loss, which when you're a high income earner and you're on that, in that 45, you know, you know, that's 45 cents on a dollar every every dollar you're able to depreciate. So mm-hmm. that's a huge benefit for a lot of people, you know, especially high income earners uh, when, when they're getting involved. So you're getting in this property, you're adding the value, but actually on paper, you're able to show this loss because of the depreciation and the bonus depreciation. But like I said before too, that is starting to be phased out where 2022 is the last year that you can get 100%. 2023, it's 80%. 2024, it's 60%. And, then, and from there, 20% every year until zero. Unless you know, a new administration changes that sure. law or anything comes back, but that's what the current schedule is. And I, I see that coming for at least the next couple of years is starting to get phased out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a huge thing to bring up. And I think a lot of people aren't, you know, some people don't really think about this, right? And I actually sent out an email about just this topic the other day. And it was kind of a reminder to say, hey, listen, this is you have a couple months left to take advantage of this of this opportunity, right? Um, obviously, like you said before, that, you know, you go down to 80% bonus depreciation, that's still pretty good. You know, I'm, you're not you're not losing all these tax benefits, just, you know, just automatically, at least not yet, right? Unless something changes. But I think that to recognize that, you know, we're, we're investors because we want to take advantage of the opportunities that we can that we can have, right? So being able to take advantage of the hundred percent the bonus depreciation bonus depreciation while we still have it is a massive benefit. Why not take advantage of that, right? And so uh, to your point, man, I, I think that's absolutely massive, and I appreciate you going to that level of detail um, about bonus depreciation because, like you said, we haven't really talked about it before uh, on this show. But uh, but anyways, man, um, what's next for for you guys? What's next for Elevate? Uh, you said you're trying to get to ten thousand doors. What does that look like? What markets you guys are going after? What do you, what do you, what kind of properties you guys are going after? What does that look like? Yeah, for us, that uh, you know, six years ago, you asked me what what you're buying, and I would say only C class value add multifamily apartments. But the past eighteen months, we've started to pivot and look at A class properties. So mm. we've we've gotten really bullish on the A class opportunity when we can be buying directly from developers. So developers, they're builders, they're not necessarily operators. So usually they're running with high concessions, high expenses, high marketing costs, because they're really just trying to get these properties 80, 90% lease up so they can cash out and go build the next project where they're not necessarily pushing rents. Um, So we've actually found value add in these A-class opportunities when we can buy from directly from developers. Now that's not to say we still will do C-class apartments, but when, when the C-class, B-class apartments, you know, that's you're seeing a lot more investors enter that market as well. So the cap rates have started to compress and go down where, you know, they're, they're, the A-class and C-class cap rates are pretty close. And if we can get, you know, an A-class deal, you know, where, where it, we're doubling our investors' return in, in two years, we'll, we'll take that opportunity every time, you know, because there's still this need for, um, people that are in between homes or people that are relocating for corporate jobs, high income earners that want a nice place to live that necessarily don't want to dig into a new house for the next, you know, three to 10 years or forever. So sure. we found that niche, um, in the A class. And, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll still do C class. We have in-house construction. So we're positioned to buy C and B class properties. Um, so we'll still look at that. And we like the 1980 and newer product, um, 100 units and up, do the economies of scale there. 
Um, we like Dallas a lot. So does the rest of the country. So we've, uh, <laughs> we've pivoted also we're, we're keeping our eyes out on other markets too. Uh, we, we just went full cycle on a deal in, uh, Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Earlier this year, we closed on a deal in Columbia, South Carolina. Next two weeks, we'll close on a deal in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, we just did a deal in, in outside of Houston, Texas. Um, so we like Texas a lot. Sunbelt states, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. Um, we've made offers uh, in Indianapolis, Cincinnati. That's probably as far north as we'll go. Sure. Um, haven't haven't connected on those markets yet, but we are keeping an eye on those markets and we're, we're staying active and we're kind of engaging in those markets too. So um, really looking at population numbers and no less than 100,000 in population. We, we want to see great job growth there too. We want to see, you know, not only the population minimums, but we want to see population growing. And with that, we want to see you know, strong anchors to the, to the market, not just one, you know, anchor, not just one, right. one, uh, employer in the area and, and more, more going there. So those are some of the asset classes and markets that we're, we're looking at right now to get ourselves to the, the 10,000 unit market. Well, you know, we've been following you guys for a long time now. We're going to continue to follow you guys, and we hope you crush that goal, man. I think that's awesome. You guys are well on your way to doing it, doing big things, man. And uh, it's just it's just great to follow you guys along on your journey and uh, see you guys grow. But uh, Brian, man, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, love learning about your story. You've you know created this huge portfolio, and it's only getting bigger, right? So uh, uh, awesome to have you on the show today. Before we get out of here, though, tell the listeners how they can find out more about you, Elevate, and anything else you got going on. Yeah, you, you can just look me up, Brian Wagers, on any of the social media platforms that you guys are on. Um, you can shoot me an email, Brian at Elevate CIG, or or just look my name up on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever you're active at. So awesome. We're gonna make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. Brian, man, this has been a great conversation, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, if you haven't checked out our Passive Investors Handbook, I would definitely suggest that you start there. This is a great primer for those looking to jump into passive real estate investing. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. It's 15 pages and takes about 20 minutes to get through. And you can find it on our website or just go to upstreaminvestor.com forward slash handbook. So go check that out and enjoy.